This is the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast, presented by Massage Envy, the first podcast devoted entirely to Arkansas baseball. Featuring insight from Arkansas baseball color analyst Bubba Carpenter. Here's Matt Jones. Big week for Razorback baseball. Arkansas will go to Ellis this weekend to take on the number one ranked team in the country. Arkansas not far behind. They're number three in the coaches poll this week. And the Razorbacks and the Tigers both have 19-2 and two records. The only team in college baseball that has more wins than either Arkansas or LSU is South Carolina at 20-2. and two. And South Carolina hasn't played quite the schedule that either Arkansas or LSU have played. The Razorbacks got through what Dave Van Horn called a little bit of a trap game on Tuesday night. They beat Southeast Missouri State 12-2. The game was a lot more competitive than final score would show. The Razorbacks had a 10-run inning in the sixth that helped them run rule the Red Hawks. Matt Jones with Bubba Carpenter. And Bubba, I want to know about this real quick. So you got uh, you, you got a lot going on around campus right now. In particular, a lot of people are focused on March Madness and, and the Razorbacks playing in the Sweet 16. They'll play UConn on Thursday night. I wonder, because you played baseball during what I would consider the golden era for Arkansas basketball. Nolan Richardson was the head coach. I guess during your time there, you've had Todd Day and Lee Mayberry and Oliver Miller in that group. I wonder, does does baseball, like we saw last week with the baseball team playing so well against Auburn, do they feed off of what is happening with the basketball team at this time of year? You know, I never really thought about it at the time, Matt, but I think I think that's a great point that you bring up. I mean, you know, we, we support all the other sports. So you get one team that's hot in one sport. I think it kind of there can be a carryover effect. Um, you see it with football, you see it with basketball, baseball. And, you know, if you'd have asked me back then, I'd have been like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But but now looking back, yeah, I think I think there can be a little bit of that. And you, you're excited to be a Razorback. And when you step out on the, the basketball court, the football field, baseball, softball, what, whatever you do as a Razorback, I think you're excited and and you just feel like you're a part of something big. When Arkansas beat Kansas in the second round last week, that game tipped off, I don't know, somewhere around the seventh, eighth inning of the second game of the Auburn series. And so we were doing our interviews with the players during the first half of that basketball game. And you could just kind of feel they were chomping at the bit to get out of there. They wanted to get down to the clubhouse and watch that game. And, and you know, at that point in time, it didn't really look like Arkansas was going to win. I think they were down by eight or ten points whenever we were doing the interviews. And, of course, they come back. Uh, just, just I don't know, it's just kind of an interesting feeling being at the ballpark that day when you had such a big basketball game going on while you had an, an important baseball game against a good Auburn team. Yeah, I think it's I think that's awesome, though. I mean, once a Razorback, always a Razorback. And so, you know, you pull for the other sports. Like I said, you're 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 a Razorback. You feel like you're something it's something special about putting on a Razorback uniform and it's that pride. And it doesn't matter what sport it is. You're pulling for that other sport. And I think that's I think it's awesome to see. The Razorbacks swept Auburn. They won their game seven to two, nine to three, and five to nothing. And a little bit like the SEMO game that we were mentioning a minute ago, they were all kind of competitive games, Bubba. It, it felt like the difference to me was that Arkansas got the big hit with runners on base and Auburn never could. Uh, and I thought it was kind of interesting that there was a three-run goal-ahead hit in all three of the games. On Friday, Brady Slavens has a three-run home run in the fourth inning. On Saturday, it was Jared, uh, or I'm sorry, it was Kendall Diggs had a, a three-run double in the first inning. And on Sunday, it was Jared Wagner had a three-run uh, home run in the third inning. 
Auburn, they got runners on base. They just never could really do anything with them. Well, and I think that's a, that's a tribute to Razorback pitching. You know, when they needed a big pitch, they came up with a big pitch. And, uh, you know, they came up huge for us. The starting pitching was big. Uh, the, the bullpen came through huge for us uh, with some some really good big performances. And I think that's just – Matt, I, I'll tell you, you know, you, you mentioned the, the offense and the lack of – of production from Auburn in certain situations. Mm-hmm. I, I look at the, I look at the defense also. I mean, you look at how Friday night started your first, first hitter, uh, case and how hits a high chopper to Carol Cole at, at third base makes a mm-hmm. great play jumps up and it, it was kind of snow combed out of the top of his glove. That ball gets down the line for a double. Uh, who knows how that game plays out? I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about baseball, you know, and then, you know, there's a, there's a walk after that. And then, uh, Oh, Peyton Stovall makes a great play going to his right for mm-hmm. a, 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 a double play ball. Uh, steps on the back, throws the first. You know, and then the next inning, there there were two more tough plays where uh, uh, Harold Cole had to come get a high chopper, came and, and played it perfectly on a short hop. Uh, John Bolton made a good play coming in to field the ball. Those were the plays that we made that that Auburn didn't make. And, you know, yeah, I'm one that I, you see me talk offense a lot, you know, and I love the three run homers, the three run, the bases clearing doubles, but digs, all those things I love, but I look at those little plays early in the game. And if we boot one or two of those plays, cause they were, they were tough plays. Every one of them, that game, that game Friday night plays out differently. And then who knows how the series plays out, but I think we out toughed Auburn to be honest with you I think they let the weather affect them mm. uh, you look at you look at Saturday you know and what was it in the fifth inning on Saturday um, they had like three misplayed balls in the infield Ware comes in from third base with the bases loaded on a on a chopper should have thrown it home would have had the out at home but you know double clutch didn't know what to do and then um, Hunter Grimes beats it out after he had pinch hit I mean look at all those little things that's a that's being that's a team that's cold right there when you're cold you 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 lose it mentally and mm-hmm. baseball's a mental game and that to me that's i thought that was the biggest difference it showed a lot of toughness in this razorback team because the cold didn't affect us and i really thought it affected uh, auburn and tavian josenberger had a great catch too that ended up not being a catch because he hit the wall and the ball came out when he hit the field i'm afraid we may not see any more close uh close plays on the replay board the rest of the year because dave van horn said afterward he thought had they not shown that replay on the board that Auburn might have not challenged that catch. Well, <laughs> so I watched it and I thought he caught it. And then, you know, when so, you see the replay, so I'm explain like, a baseball catch because, you know, it's like a football, you know, there's all this uh, in football. What's a football catch? What's a baseball catch, Bubba? Okay. So when it first happened, I'm like, well, that's a catch. He had it for three steps. He hit the wall. Then when he's going down to the ground, the ball trickles out of his glove, but you have to, you have to get the ball out of your glove. Mm. And I remember after it happened, I'm like, well, that should be a catch. Then I remembered, I, I thought back about, we, we had a play where a right fielder and, and second baseman collided. Uh, right fielder ended up with the ball in his glove, but he was basically knocked out. They reached in and got the ball out of his glove and threw it in, but it wasn't a catch because he didn't get the ball out of his glove. Mm. So they didn't rule it a catch. And so I was, uh, you know, it, it was the right call on Tavian's, it was a great play, but you're right. I, I don't know if they would have reviewed it because it it looked like a catch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> so the, the process of a catch is you've got to get the you got to get your hand in the glove and take the ball out. 
Yeah, I forget how the yeah. they've got some fancy wording for it, but basically you, you're <laughs> you have to you have to um, reach in, grab the the ball, and I I I wish I had the the whole rule. I'd read it to you. I had I had about a hundred people send me the actual rule, so as many times okay. I've read it, I should be able to recite it. <laughs> it's just unfortunate there because Josenberger had, had had he not hit the ball, he would have completed that catch. It was clearly the contact with the wall, and I think it may have hurt his shoulder a little bit that caused him to drop it. Well, and it's such a great play and, and just thankful he wasn't hurt on that play because I've seen a lot of guys going to the wall like that dislocated mm -hmm. shoulder, you know, hurt their neck, um, you know, their, you know, whatever do tear their rotator. Uh, there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong right there. So fortunately, the only thing that happened is we didn't get credit for the catch. Arkansas moved Hagen Smith to the bullpen. That was the, the big story last week. Uh, you know, you don't see this very often that you move your Friday guy into the bullpen role. But yeah, I, I think I give a lot of credit to Arkansas's coaches for not being complacent and trying to be as forward thinking as they can, how they can, you know, they, they want to build this, this uh, pitching staff from the backside in. You, know, you, I've heard Van Horn say many, many times over the years, you don't want to get your heart broken at the end of a baseball game. And we saw Hagen Smith have a great, you know, outing or outings, out of the bullpen last year during the postseason at Oklahoma State and North Carolina, I think maybe even once during the College World Series. So you knew that he could do this, but I just wonder what your thoughts were whenever they made this uh, decision because that's a that's a tough decision to take your your number one guy. I think your you know, maybe your two most important positions on a pitching staff is your primary closer and your number one starter, and so to you know have to wrestle with that decision should Hagen Smith be one or the other. That that's a tough one. It's a really tough one, and you know people don't realize all the thought that goes into I mean, Razorback baseball and what's going through DVH's head, Matt Hobbs. But it, it's it's a tough decision because you just described it. If you Googled Friday night SEC starter, I mean Hagen Smith pops up. I jokingly said that one one night when I was interviewing Hagen. I mean he's your prototypical. Friday night starter. So to take him out of that role, uh, that's a tough call, but I agree with it. 100%. I mean, you, you want to give your, your team the best chance to win a series. Well, you got to have a shutdown guy at the end, at the end of the game, you've got to have a guy that can come in in a high leverage situation and dominate. And that's what Hagen can do. And, you know, so it's, it is without a doubt, the right, the right call. And, you know, the, uh, I don't know if it's going to stay like it was this, this past weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday, and then TBA on Sunday. I think that's is, the plan. Is, you know, the way Cody Adcock threw, you know, a lot of people say, well, he's got to be your game three starter. Well, no, that's not how DVH and the staff looks at it. I mean, it's 27 outs at a time. They're going to do what it takes Friday night to win that game. And then they're going to move to Saturday and it's 27 more outs. And, and, and I talk about the outs all the time because that's, that's 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 how you approach a, a weekend series, and mm. by 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 moving Hagen into the role that he's at, I, I love it. I really do. As much as I, you know, you hated to see him out of Friday night, but look who look who we have at Friday night. We still have another <laughs> big strong lefty Friday night, um, Hunter Holland, and so we're we're in we're in good shape. And I really do like the move, but but you're right though, Matt. That's a tough. That's a, such a tough call to make as a coach, and uh, that's why DVH and uh, those guys make the big bucks. And it's interesting, you know, they made that change, and it, it seemed like pitching 
was as good last weekend as it's been the entire season. Uh, you mentioned Hunter Holland had the good start, six innings. Will McIntyre, six innings. They get three innings saves both of the first two days by Smith on Friday. And uh, who, who am I forgetting? Was it Dylan Carter, I think, on, on Saturday who had the three-inning yeah. save? Yeah, Dylan went three innings, one hit, no runs, no base on balls, which is huge. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was he was big. Sunday, uh, you mentioned Cody Adcock. And it's interesting about Adcock, it seems to me, and I've, I've talked to pitchers about this too, that guys have a certain mentality when they're starting and they have a certain mentality when they are uh, coming out of the bullpen. And I've heard pitchers say that you can get freaked out if you're starting because you're thinking about it all day leading up to it. And, you know, maybe they like the, you know, the fact that you don't have to overthink things when you're coming out of the bullpen. On the flip side, you know, some guys can handle that type of, um, you know, that that type of knowledge that you're going to have that start. And it seemed to me like Cody Adcock looked as comfortable as I've seen him all year uh, starting. Maybe he's more comfortable in a starting role than he is as a reliever. You know, he started most of his career. He's been a starter, but you're right. So you look at, like I look at Hagen. When Hagen comes out of the bullpen, I think he's a different pitcher coming out of the bullpen. He comes in with a little bit more, uh, a little more intensity mm-hmm. than he does as a starter. He's a little more even kill as a starter. At least that's my opinion, you know, seeing him from, you know, watching from afar. Where Cody Adcock, from the first pitch on, I mean, he was pitching like a closer but he was a starting pitcher. I mean, he was, there was so much intensity in every pitch. And, you know, even, even when he came out in the sixth inning, I want to say his second to last pitch was 95 miles an hour. I mean, he didn't lose, he didn't lose a thing, 82 pitches and he's still throwing mid nineties. And um, I, I thought he was awesome. I mean, he really shut down and you can look, you look at how a, a offense looks against a pitcher so you look at you look at how Auburn's offense reacted to Cody they just weren't comfortable they weren't seeing his slider well uh fastball he was throwing it by him I just thought he looked great and just had those guys baffled and at the end of that game I thought underscored the um the importance of having a pitcher like Smith in the bullpen Arkansas's up five to nothing Gage Wood is on the mound in the ninth I think he walks a batter, gets an out, then hits a batter. And and we've seen this with him a little bit this year. You know, maybe he gets rattled with runners on base or or in the big moments. They go ahead, they go get him. He looked a little surprised that he was coming out of the game. And here comes Hagen Smith, strikeout, you know, I think maybe a pop out, game over. And it, it just goes to underscore how important it is to have a, a pitcher like Smith uh, that can get ready in a in a hurry down in the bullpen. Yeah, you're right. And I'll be honest, I, I felt bad for Gage Wood because he came in, you know, he walked the leadoff guy on 3-2 mm-hmm. pitch. Um, it was a, you know, it, was a, it wasn't like a four-pitch walk. Uh, uh, he hits a guy with a, a two-strike pitch. Uh, I want to say he ran a fastball in uh, with two strikes, one-two count. You know, you would love to have seen him be able to pitch out of that. But if you're DVH, you, you can't take a chance. That Auburn offense is powerful. With the wind blowing out, they can throw a five spot up in a hurry. So you don't, mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't blame DVH for going and doing it. You just, I would love to have seen, you know, Gage be able to get through that, that inning. I think that would have been a good, a good learning experience for him, but Hey, he'll get another shot and hopefully he'll go out there and get it done next time. I think it, it's probably one of those things where the coach comes back to him and says afterward, Hey, look, this is nothing against you. We've got a chance to get a sweep right here and we got to do whatever it takes to, to make sure uh, that, that we do finish that off. 
Oh, I think so. And boy, if you look in the SEC, those last three outs, last six outs, however you want to view it, are so hard to get. I mean, you got to have somebody at the back end that can shut shut games down, and it's uh, it's really tough. I mean, you see Razorbacks do it all the time. They'll come back in the eighth and ninth inning and break your heart. You know, um, and so it's it's really it's big to have Hagen down there as kind of that ace in the hole. Bubba, uh, I don't remember who it was. I think it was somebody who was talking to you, though, after one of the games on the radio. Uh, Bubba and I, we we exchanged audio after the games. He sends me his interview. I, I send him uh, what Dave Van Horn has said. And I always love, you know, listening to your interviews. You, you do a really good job in that role, by the way. I, I, I like listening to those interviews. But somebody told you, and it was a pitcher after one of the games within the last week, week and a half, it was, uh, you know, basically they had challenged the pitching staff. Hey, now that Tigert's out for, you know, a while and Cody Frank is out and obviously Jackson Wiggins is out that, you know, whatever you were going to give us, we need you to give us 5%, 10%, 15% more. And they're doing that. I mean, this has been as impressive, I think, of a, of a pitching performance over maybe a week and a half, two week span uh, that I've seen from Arkansas all year. Certainly, you know, it's, it's been their best stretch of pitching. Their ERA is down. You know, their opposing, opposing batting average has come down. The whip is coming down collectively. You know, you're seeing Dylan Carter step up. You're seeing even Zach Morris start to look like he has a little bit more confidence again in these midweek games. Austin Ledbetter gave him two scoreless innings out of the bullpen last Sunday against Auburn. And, you know, then you've got all the starters and the main relievers that we've talked about. I mean, I wonder what your thoughts are on the pitching staff uh, since the injuries and maybe how they've reacted to that challenge by their coaches of, hey, give us just a little bit more. Oh, they've done it. They've it's been impressive, Matt. I mean, you you just mentioned all the guys that have stepped up, and and the thing is, there's other guys down there that can still come in and do the same thing. I think uh, I think that's a sign of a good team. I mean, there's depth down there in the bullpen. You know, DVH said it at the beginning of the year how deep the pitching staff was, but you know, no one could have ever imagined. You know, you're, you're going to have an injury, but no one could have ever imagined losing three of our top arms. But I'm so impressed with the way that bullpen's kind of rallied together. Uh, guys have stepped up, and when they've been called on, they've gone out there and done a good job. And, you know, super impressed with how they shut Auburn down this weekend. Now, defensively, I don't think Auburn's that good of a team. I think they got some holes defensively. But if you look at their offense, at least their top six hitters, I mean, they can swing it. They're a little weak on the bottom half. But um, but the guy that's that's a good offensive team that we shut down this week. If you look at it, we outscored them 21-5 to on the weekend. And I think part of that, I think the weather had a little bit to do with it. I think we just out-toughed them. But, you know, we, we outplayed them in every aspect of the game, and the, the pitchers came up huge. I talked to Butch Thompson after the series, and he, he kept using the term game time. And basically game time, it's, he's talking about the pivotal moments in the game. He said, Arkansas just beat us at game time. He said, you can have your relievers that pitch really well, you know, for – three, four innings at the back end of the game, you know, but if your pitchers aren't making that pitch at game time, it doesn't matter. You know, he, he talked about Arkansas and those three run hits they had, they performed at game time. Those were his comments. Uh, you know, and, and I, he was, I, I think he was not totally frustrated with this group. There's a lot of injuries that are going on there at Auburn. I think he was really impressed with how well the Razorbacks played. I think so. Now, so when you talk about the three-run hits, I'll go back to Friday night against Tommy Bell. You look at the numbers, you know, and I know I know we're getting ready to face a guy Friday night at LSU that's got really good numbers, but you look at Tommy Bell's numbers, they were ridiculous. 
coming in, but you look at how we battled him and, and you talk about the home run that Brady hit the three run Homer. I honestly, I think the biggest at bat in that game was Jared Wagner's eight pitch walk. Mm. Um, I want to say uh, Peyton Stovall led off that inning with a walk. Yep. Um, and then, and then Jared comes up and, and, I tell you, Tommy Vale made some really good pitches. I, I've got, I've, I've got TrackMan in the in the booth, and I mean, he made pitches inside, outside. Jared just spoiled those pitches. Eight pitch at bat, uh, drew a walk, then Brady comes up and hits the three run jack. And I think that was, I mean, that right there is when Tommy Vale kind of fell apart. And uh, I, I don't know, it was just the approach. And I say that's the biggest at bat. There were there were multiple guys that went up there and battled, but but I think that eight pitch at bat where he threw to his best pitches and could not get our Razorback hitter out. I think that was kind of deflating for Tommy Vale, to be honest with you. Yeah. And there were there were other, you know, you look at, you know, you can go back to uh um the double that that digs hit the left center. You know, it looked like the pitcher was going to get out of the inning, had a, a couple of strikeouts. Uh, Diggs comes up with two outs, first pitch, boom, drives at the left center for, for a bases clearing double. I mean, those are the daggers to that pitcher, but you see our guys stepping up and, and getting those big hits and, and other teams aren't doing it against us. And I think that's a, that's a tribute to, you know, first of all, the approach of our hitters, but then our pitchers being able to bow their neck and get out of situations like that. One of the things that stood out to me from the Auburn series was how well Arkansas hit left-handed pitching. Auburn threw a left-handed starter every day, and that's kind of been the the kryptonite for the Razorbacks over the last few years is that you know you throw a left-hander, and, and they don't always hit them real well. And it seems like you know Vale is, is a great example. He got through the first time in the order pretty well. He wasn't fooling anybody that second time. And then the other two left-handers that they threw, uh, Crotchfelt and and I forget the the name of the Sunday starter, uh, you know they did they didn't have much success at all against Arkansas. I think their approach against left-handed pitching has been really good this year, and it goes just it goes beyond just the Auburn series. It does, and and it goes back to game plan. You know, they go out there during BP, and they're not just up there hacking away; they're working on on their approach. You know, mm -hmm. it used to be, they, they used to do their hitters meeting after BP a few years ago. And personally, I loved it because I got to go sit in on all the hitters meetings and I loved how they game plan the pitcher. Now they do that before BP. Hmm. So they go out and they take that approach into BP of the, of how they're going to attack that pitcher that day. And I think it's been huge. And I think, uh, you know, hats off to, to, to Nate Thompson, Bobby Wernus, uh, Colin Smith, and then, and then the guys that are putting the scouting reports together, but being able to put that plan together, I think it's really helped us. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the Sunday starter, Connor Copeland. I mean, mm -hmm. he went two and two thirds inning, three hits, three runs. He just didn't have anything to get us out. You know, he really didn't from the start. I mean, we looked like we were all over him. So, um, uh, crotch felt, I tell you, is going to be a good, he's a freshman big lefty. He's going to be good. He's going to be a guy we're going to hear about for a few years. Uh, he's just going to keep getting better. Mid-90s fastball. Uh, he's got really good stuff, but once again, we frustrated him, Matt, with just our approach and our ability to just foul off pitchers' pitches, either take them or foul them off, and then get hitters' pitches and, and crush them. He didn't look like he handled the weather very well. He was pitching that big that big hoodie. I, I can't imagine pitching, you know, come, bringing that overhanded delivery with a big baggy hoodie on like he was doing. Well, you talk about being mentally tough. Baseball is about being mentally tough. I That first inning, he I, I don't know what happened, but I saw Butch Butch Thompson, a, a 
someone sent a video of Butch Thompson. We grabbed him grabbed by him. the ear and like pulled yeah. him down in the dugout. Grabbed him by the jersey and pulled him down. But his body language on the mound that first yeah. inning sucked. It was terrible. Hmm. And I would have been embarrassed if that was me out there or my son out there on the mound acting like that. But yeah, he was, uh, I don't know. He, I don't know if it was the weather or he was just frustrated with the Razorback hitters. I don't know what it was, but he, uh, yeah, he, but he's got good stuff, but he's got to figure it out mentally if he's going to pitch in this league. And Butch, uh, Butch Thompson had that big, uh, like a mossy oak uh, jacket on underneath his team jacket. I don't know if I've ever seen that from a head coach, a big camo jacket on. He's just, <laughs> you talk to him and you get the feeling he's just a good old country guy. And, you know, that, that kind of shone through with his attire during the Arkansas series. Yeah, it's a good look. I don't know if I'd ever, I ever. I don't know if Dave, DVH would ever wear a camo shirt hoodie underneath his jacket. But hey, hey, whatever works, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, it's it's warm. I, I always talk about football season. You you hit a certain point in football season, and you add camo to the school colors because you go out to a football game, and that's what everybody's wearing is their camo jackets. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think DVH and uh, I think his, I think our staff had on heated vests, mm. so I think we we're uh, we're a little bit ahead of Auburn there. <laughs> Hey, I wanted to ask you real quick about the homestand. Arkansas finishes this 18-game homestand, 17 and one, and you know, and we've talked about this. They they played some teams that are expected to be really good in their conference during that time. They played the projected Ohio Valley champion and the Patriot League champion and the Horizon League champion, Conference USA champion, uh, five projected Mountain West champion, five projected champions during that time, and they go 17 and one, and they didn't lose to any of the projected champions. The only team they lost to was that Sunday against Eastern Illinois. I have a feeling we're going to look back at this stretch and, and say this was a really important stretch to this season uh, whenever it comes time for NCAA tournament bids to be announced. We'll see how Arkansas does throughout the SEC. But, uh, you know, at this point, what they've done through the non-conference and then getting off to a good start in the SEC with a sweep over Auburn, uh, you know, you feel good about what the, the RPI and, and all these metrics are going to look like at the end of the year when they're deciding who hosts and who does not. I think so. And to go 17 and one, Matt, against the teams we were playing, I mean, there's no cupcakes in there. I mean, SEMO, SEMO's not as good as they were last year. Um, that was, but I think last, I think that that game was kind of a, you know, so-called trap game because it was, we're getting ready for LSU. So that's, that, that can be a scary situation, but SEMO wasn't that good a team. They like, they've been in the past. They didn't have the offensive power they've had in the past, mm -hmm. but you look at, you look at going 17 and one against these teams. Um, it says a lot about this team because in today's game of transfer Porter portal, uh, COVID, COVID guys, six year guys, all that, it's not easy to win. I mean, your midweek games, there's, there's, those aren't easy, especially when teams are coming into bomb Walker, they know, they know playing Razorbacks um, and just the history. If they can come in and beat a Razorback team, that makes, that's a huge boost to their program in their season. So it's hard. I mean, it's hard to do what, what these guys have just done 17 and one in that homestand it says a lot about the team. Well, and and they look like they're getting a lot better. Just to hammer that home, they beat they outscored Tech, uh, Louisiana Tech twenty eight to eleven, and they outscored Auburn twenty one to five the last two weekends. Uh, they they didn't have weekends like that leading up to those two. Uh, I think that this is a, a team that's really hitting its uh, stride going into Baton Rouge this weekend, and we'll talk more about that here in just a few minutes. I want to tell you the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast is sponsored by Massage Envy, voted the best day spa and best massage in all of Northwest Arkansas. You can visit Mike and his staff in Tuscany Square at 2603 West Pleasant Grove Road in Rogers, 
or in Fayetteville at 3557 North Shiloh Drive. Massage Envy has services for everyone. MassageEnvy.com. Massage Envy with clinics in Rogers and Fayetteville has been awarded Northwest Arkansas's Best Day Spa and Best Massage. One of the reasons is our care for athletes, both serious and recreational. We now offer rapid tension relief sessions using a high caliber vibrating tool and total body stretch sessions like the ones used by the PGA. Both of these new services can be combined with the always popular deep muscle treatment. So whether you compete or just want to relax, there is no place better than Massage Envy. WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com. Com. With almost 30 years in business, a Teague Law Firm can help with most family law and criminal law issues. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. SEC play started last weekend. Obviously, Arkansas swept Auburn. There were a lot of sweeps across the league, uh, five and all. And it was interesting to me, Bubba, that once teams got to game three, every series was already decided. You didn't have any game three rubber games last week. And, and given some of the matchups, uh, I was a little surprised by that. I was too, because you know how hard it is to get a sweep in the SEC, Matt. It's it's not easy. Um, you know, I was impressed with the way the Razorbacks came out on Sunday, and it's. I think sometimes teams get complacent. They come out on Sunday. They they've won the first two games of the series. It's easy to just not really give away that third game, but not be as as locked in. But man, wins are wins. When it comes to SEC, you got thirty games. Every win is so crucial and so important. I was impressed with they, the way they came out with a great approach on Sunday and just finished off that series sweep. But I was surprised to see some of the other sweeps. You know, uh, you had asked me something about what 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 the biggest surprise was for me. I I was surprised at Mizzou. To be honest with you, mm. they just absolutely took it took it to Tennessee. Now. It was cold up there. It was really cold uh, where they were playing. So I don't know if maybe Tennessee just didn't want to be there. I know they made a bunch of errors. I want to say they made six errors in three games. Uh, the Sunday game, they made three errors. Uh, I think they just kind of mailed that last game in. They lost seven to one. But if you look at the scores, Missouri beat them nine to one on Friday, seven to four on Saturday, seven to one on Sunday. Or wait, one of them was a doubleheader in there. Uh, yeah, there was two seven-inning games yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. So, but still, I mean, those are uh, those. They just, they just Tennessee just really didn't show up. But uh, um, Vitella got tossed out again. I want to say he got mm -hmm. tossed out of Friday's game. Uh, Dolander was, was pitched... first game of the doubleheader on Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've got it. I've got it wrong here. He was arguing a balk. Yeah. <laughs> Big, big shock. He's arguing something. Um, but Dolander, Dolander got hit around uh, five and two thirds, nine hits, six runs. Uh, Burns, Burns, uh, five innings, eight hits, seven runs. I mean, they just their starting pitch and didn't, you know, didn't really represent. So for me, that's the biggest surprise. Yeah, uh, Missouri outscored Tennessee, I believe, twenty three to six over those three games. They didn't play on Saturday because the you know we were dealing with cold temperatures here in Fayetteville too up in Columbia uh it was I believe they had a high of 21 degrees that day and so you know it's up on top of that hill and it's already real windy I can only imagine what the wind chill would have been 
uh, with those north winds for that game. Uh, let's hear Tennessee got swept, Arkansas swept Auburn. We mentioned that Vanderbilt swept Ole Miss. Uh, Mississippi State got swept by Kentucky. We'll talk about that here in just a second. South Carolina was the only road team to get a sweep last weekend. They went to Georgia and swept that series. The other two series in the SEC, Alabama lost two of three at Florida. The Gators had a walk-off win in game two uh, to take that series. I believe they scored two runs in the ninth inning to come back and win. And then LSU won two of three at Texas A&M. LSU was swept, but the Aggies had to come back late in the third game. Uh, Mississippi State, they've lost 14 consecutive SEC games, Bubba. And this is, we're not even 21 months removed from them winning the national championship. They lost their last 11 SEC games last year. They went to Kentucky. And not only did they get swept, they didn't look like they belonged on the same field the last two games. Uh, they lose on Friday, six to five. I think Kentucky uh, scored on back-to-back pass balls in the 10th inning. And then on Saturday, they lose 12 to three. Sunday, they get run rolled 17 to three in seven innings. Mississippi State, it's, I, I can't quite put my finger on what's happening there in Starkville, but it's like they won the national championship and they don't look like the same program anymore. No, they don't. And, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure there. Uh, uh, it's Lamonis, right? How do you, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, Chris Lamonis. Yeah, Lamonis. Um, you know, I've heard he's getting a lot of pressure. He's getting a lot of, uh, of course, on social media, they're all over him. But, you know, when you read reputable people, there's, you know, there's a buzz of, uh, right now where a lot of people are frustrated. You know, you lose 14 SEC games. I can't imagine losing that. That would never happen. Oh, I don't want to knock knock on wood. But, I mean, the way the way Razorbacks play baseball, that would we would never lose 14. But it's been sloppy wins, like you – or sloppy losses. Like you said, Kentucky just, just – just dominated them and you know that's not mississippi state the way they that's not their tradition and so they've got to figure out something to get it turned around and you know it doesn't get a whole lot easier this weekend no well i mean you know like arkansas had all the losses to end the 2016 season i think there were 13 in a row not all of those were sec losses but that year what arkansas's problem was they just didn't have any pitching at the back end or the pitching that they had were the young guys who ended up taking to the omaha two years later and, and finished a national runner up, but they were getting their heart broken at the end of games, Mississippi state, a lot of these 14 straight losses, like you mentioned, they're, they're not very close. And so it's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird deal there. Would you, would you, would you trade a national championship for two years of irrelevance? Oh boy. That's a, that's such a tough question. I, I no, I, I don't know that I would. And I don't know that DVH would, um, I don't know. I mean, everyone wants that national championship, but boy, to to go from such a high to just a low this quick is just it's unheard of. And I don't understand what's going on there. I mean, they got they got that that great ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamona seems like a good head coach. Uh, I, I I can't figure it out, Matt. But I, I don't know that I would trade it as much as I want a national championship for DVH and for you know this Razorback program. Um, yeah, that's a tough question. What about you? What What do you say to that? Oh, I wouldn't. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I know a national championship's a great deal, but I, I think there's something to be said for you know the the sustained success too. Uh, it's it's I an interesting. I think it's an interesting question. You know, and I wonder if Mississippi State, you know, like at Arkansas, I, I think one of the things that really drives this team is they haven't won that championship, and the players every year they want to be the players that get that championship brought back to Fayetteville and and you know I mean I, I think it's going to happen someday 
you don't put the resources into your baseball program like Arkansas does and, and not have a payoff at some point in time. We've seen it with Mississippi State and Ole Miss getting their first two championships the last uh, two seasons. But I just wonder if there might be something missing at Mississippi State that edge. You know, it's like, okay, we got the championship. And so maybe there's not that same drive that they had that that led them, you know, not just to the 21 national championship, but they came awfully close a lot of years before that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're right, but that's not how I work. If I win one, I want to win another one and another <laughs> one and another one. So I I understand your point, but I, I can't I can't relate to that because that's not how my brain works. We'll talk more Razorback baseball here in just a minute. I want to tell you that the podcast is brought to you in part by Teague Law Firm, where James Teague has joined his father, Robert. They've been around for nearly 30 years and voted best of Northwest Arkansas in 2019 and 2021. James can help you with most family law matters, including divorce, custody, and child support. He can also help with criminal law, including felony and misdemeanor offenses. If you have an estate need, James at Teague Law Firm can fill your need there too. Teague Law Firm is a full-service law firm where you will talk to actual lawyers. They'll call you back, and they'll give you the direct cell number. You can call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. That's 479-531-2785. Or visit them online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm, if we can't help you, we'll talk baseball. As a former Razorback pitcher, James Teague spent years closing innings. Now he's closing cases. With almost three decades in business, the Teague Law Firm can help with most family law issues and criminal law. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785 or visit them at teague-law.com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. Mentioned earlier that Arkansas is on a 14-game winning streak going to Baton Rouge. Win number 14 was a little bit tougher than it appeared on paper. 12-2 over Southeast Missouri State. This was a game that was close for five and a half innings Tuesday night. The Razorbacks were up 2-1 to one going into the bottom of the sixth. Caleb Cowley gets on with a leadoff error, and then it was hit, walk, hit, hit. I mean, it was it was a big inning, and, and you, know, you see that a lot of times. The big inning, there has to be, uh, you know, you got to get a little bit of help there. You got to have a pitcher maybe with command issues, and, you know, I think Steemo had three errors in it. It was a 10-run inning. It was the biggest inning for this offense all year. It eclipsed a nine-run inning they had during the third inning of a game against Louisiana Tech in the series finale a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know that I, – I think I've only seen this one other time, Bubba, where you have the leadoff hitter come back to the plate and there are no outs in the inning. The only other time I can remember that was a 2010 game against St. Louis where Arkansas sent – I think 18 batters to the plate in the first inning and the first 14 got on base. It was the first nine during that game against SEMO last night. And uh, it's, it's, it's very rare to bat around and it's uh, really rare to bat around with no outs. <laughs> You're right. Um, here's what I like about that. I mean, first of all, I, I call this lineup an unselfish lineup, Matt, Uh they're going to take what the pitcher gives them. If they're not going to give them a pitch to hit, they're going to take their walk and move on and just keep the keep the line moving. Uh, you know, some of the errors, I mean, hitting balls hard, you know, guys are going to boot them. Um, 
what I like though is some of the younger guys. I thought it was awesome. So I've I had friends that came to the game last night, and and some of them were disappointed because you know Tavian's not in there, Peyton's not in there, Brady, Jace, you know the, the the regular guys, the starters, Kendall. Those guys aren't in there. But to me, it's exciting because I look at guys like Hunter Grimes, um, you know, Jason Jones, Reese Robinette, Peyton Holt, all those guys, Mason Neville. I, I see these guys and I'm like, man, I want to watch more. I want to get them. Uh, I want to watch them play. These guys show up to the yard every day and they deserve a chance to play. I thought it was awesome that DVH got them in there. And, you know, you talk about the trap game. One way to avoid the trap game is put young, hungry guys in there. To them, that wasn't just a Tuesday night game against SEMO before a, a, a huge LSU series. To them, that's 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 a huge game. <laughs> I mean, that's, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they're going to go out and they're going to give it everything they got. They're not looking at LSU. They're looking at that game right there. And I just thought it was awesome. I really enjoyed getting to see some of those guys get some at-bats. Uh, I got to talk to Reese Robinette after the game. You know, his home run was – I mean, it was in the fourth inning. It was a go-ahead home run. Now, at the time, it seemed huge. Later on, it wasn't that big a factor. But at the time, you know, that was huge. His home run to left. I mean, he stayed on a slider and hit that ball 98 miles an hour to left center, carried out of the yard. I don't know. To me, I enjoyed it. I really thought it was awesome uh, to see those guys play. Yeah, your seven primary – what I would call primary starters were held out of the game. You didn't have Brady Slavens, Peyton Stovall – uh, you didn't have John Bolton at shortstop. I think Parker Rowland is, is considered the primary catcher now, even though Hudson Polk rotates with him on the weekends. Let's say you didn't have Jace Borfin, you didn't have Tavian Josenberger, and you didn't have Kendall Diggs. And one of the things I thought about last night, Bubba, was something I had said to you when we were watching a practice together during the preseason. And it was that I said, if you take this pitching staff, I think you could take all of the primary starters off of this team and it would still probably be a regional team. It may not be a team that hosts a regional, but, you know, it'd be a team that gets into the NCAA tournament as a number two or a number three seed. And I thought the lineup showed that for the most part last night. Yeah, I think so. I thought they went up and they had good at bats. You know, it was early on. I mean, there there wasn't a lot of, I guess, a, a, a lot of action. Uh, they brought in a couple of right. I'll tell you that Esteban Hernandez they brought in. I thought he had really good stuff. I mean, he was up to 94 uh, with a good changeup, good breaking ball. I, I thought he I thought he did a pretty good job of kind of slowing, you know, slowing us down a little bit. But then after that, you know, boy, they, you know, the the uh, the run started clicking up on the board. But it was uh, – I, I thought it was good to see. And it just goes back to the depth of, of the lineup, you know. And, and DVH has talked about how deep our lineup is, and it really is. If a guy goes down – you know, I, I would assume right now Harold Cole's our starting third baseman. If he goes down, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we got Caleb Cali, and and Caleb can play. He made a couple of good plays last night on defense. Uh, you know, hit a couple balls hard. So, I mean, there's just so much depth. And you got Jason Jones. I I, I get excited every time he comes up to the plate because you just don't know how hard he's going to hit a ball. <laughs> Reese Robinette uh, can can hit the all fields. I love how he stays on the ball and drives it to left center. Peyton Holt's got a ton of energy. I love the way he plays the game. Um, I like high energy guys and boy, uh, Peyton Holt just plays with a ton of energy. He didn't get a hit last night, but he still looked good on defense. Uh, 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 Mason Neville in center field, you know, he's had some tough luck, man. It just seems like every time he comes up, it's, 
paint on the inside, painted on the outside. He's got an O2 count and then he has to swing at a pitch. He doesn't want to swing at. Um, but I think he's going to be a good one. So, man, I don't know. To me, it's a super exciting to see uh, the, these guys get a chance. And it just goes back to the depth on this team and just how hard it is to get out there on the field and, and, and get some playing time. You mentioned Robinette. He went two for four, scored a couple of runs. He's from the Missouri Boot Hill. I think it's Kennett. It's how you say the name of the, the town. And that's about an hour and a half from Cape Girardeau. Uh, you knew that he was probably pretty fired up to play those guys last night. Oh, he was. I bet he knows a ton of them. I didn't ask him. I interviewed him after the game. I didn't ask him that, you know, if he knew the guys. But you know he knows a bunch of those guys in that area. So um, growing up playing around there. So it was uh, it was fun. I, I had to ask him about being big country, though. So <laughs> I wanted to know. Every team needs a big country on the team. So I had to ask him that question. So, you know, Bryant Reeves was the original big country, the the, the old Oklahoma State uh, basketball player. And uh, I was in an academy in Fort Smith one time. You know, he grew up, and I think he still lives in Gans, which is just, you know, across the border over in Oklahoma, not far from Fort Smith. And uh, he was in the academy, and, I mean, he stands out. He's, he's seven foot tall, big old guy. You know, but his his uh, his son was there with him. And I think this guy was probably about, I don't know, six five, six six. And he couldn't have been more than, you know, a, a young teenager at that point. And I think my thought at that point was if, if that's big country, there's medium country there with him. Right? <laughs> but yeah, Reese Robin at big country is his, uh, that's his nickname. And uh, when you hear him talk or uh, you're around him for very long, you, you understand why, Bubba. Well, you do. I mean, he grew up in, in Missouri in a small town. And, you know, I grew up in Brentwood, Arkansas. You've never even heard of Brentwood, Arkansas. I know Brentwood. Well, it's, okay. Yeah, you, maybe you do. Most people don't. Most people don't know where that is. But, uh, you know, it's between Winslow and West Fork, and it's just up in the up in the top of the mountain. And so I can relate to, to Reese Robinette because it's, you know, I'm a country boy. And to be honest with you, when I'm when I'm evaluating players or, or, or doing tryouts, I love your country boys. The country kids, uh, and, and I'm going to make a lot of people mad here, but there's something about that country boy toughness that, mm that's inside a kid that sometimes you, you can't teach. It's just, uh, it's ingrained in him from the way he grows up and, uh, you know, the, the responsibilities he has growing up the way they grow up. And I think it just adds a little something extra to a kid inside. One more thought from Simo. And then we're gonna talk about LSU. Ben Bybee threw four innings in the start on Tuesday night. He had thrown five innings the previous uh, week. I think he started the Wednesday game, uh, the, the previous week against UNLV. And so that's nine innings now that he's thrown for them in the midweek. He gave up one run, and it was on a solo home run during the fourth inning last night, and that was the first hit that he had given up during the game. I think they may have found their midweek starter in Ben Bybee. He's he's pitching really well. Oh, I love the way he pitches. Um, I love that breaking ball he throws. I mean, it's it's sharp. If he can land that pitch, I mean, he's tough because he can tunnel that fastball. You know, his velo was a little down last night, but he's still, you know, he's still 92, 93 um, with a good breaking ball. I want to say he mixed in a changeup or two, but, you know, he didn't have his best stuff last night, but he battled through, you know, walked a couple people. But, you know, other than that, I mean, he was pretty good. But, you know, you talk about personalities. He's he's a kid that I really – I love his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be, have high energy. You know, I watch him – like the freshmen have to sweep the dugouts after the game, and, boy, he's just in there sweeping weeping away and he just has a good personality every time I see him you know he speaks and he just looks happy looks mm-hmm. like he's just happy to be a Razorback and uh when he goes out on the mound you know he, he gets up on that mound and he gets after it and I love to see that out of a freshman 
Yeah, he's incredibly confident and he's articulate. You get freshmen will come in these press conferences sometimes and yeah, they, they kind of look like a deer in the headlight. And he gets in there, and I told Oliver Grigg, the SID, I said, can we get Ben Bybee in here to talk about every game? Doesn't matter if he pitches or not. Let's just get him in here and get his opinion <laughs> on every game because he's so good at you know breaking it down and just articulating his thoughts during those press conferences. But the, you know, the midweek starter is something that I think gets overlooked a little bit, but that's a, a really important, uh, you know, maybe developmental position for a baseball team because, you know, what happens is – I mean, obviously they can eat up innings for you in the middle of the week to where your arms are, you know, you don't have to use as many of your weekend arms during that Tuesday game if it's a four-game week or Tuesday or Wednesday if it's five games. Uh, but it's important, too, because that may be the guy that you have to throw on the fourth game of a regional down the line or maybe the fourth game at the SEC tournament. And so to see him develop the way he has from that first start against Grambling State uh, to what he's done the last two weeks against you know, like we mentioned, teams that are predicted to win their conference, I think that's kind of an important development that we've seen uh, that may kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Oh, I, you're right, 100%, Matt. And every time he's out there on the mound, I talk about that. I was like, look, this kid's going to come up big for us later in the year in a in a regional game, you know, maybe SEC tournament. But you know, I, I you know, I guess I'm I'm not as high on that that kind of outing versus mm -hmm. I am, you know. When, when a regional starts and you need that guy to come in or if, you know, maybe one of the other starters has a sore arm one weekend and you got to pop him into the starting rotation. I think you can do that with confidence and not feel like you're losing a whole lot. Well, and the other thing that happens is that you get to the tail end of the conference season and you're only playing three games. You know, you don't play the midweeks the last two, three, four weeks of the year, depending on how the schedule is uh, constructed. And you bring in your midweek guy to pitch for you on the weekend. We saw that with Will McIntyre last year whenever he came uh, in and, and pitched against Auburn, uh, down at Auburn, and gave him some you know pretty crucial innings late in that you know late in that game against Auburn in a, a rubber game in Game Three. And uh, hey, speaking of that, I want to mention this: Will McIntyre had another good outing against Auburn the other day. He's pitched against the Tigers three times. And Bubba, his stat line against Auburn, and I believe it's 19 and eh, how many innings is this? I'll look up the innings here in just a second. But his stat line in a, a, a pretty good number of innings against Auburn is 2.20 ERA, a 0 0.86 whip, and a 183 opponent batting average. Uh, a lot of times you'll see teams that have seen a pitcher a number of times and they'll get to him. And I think there was maybe a little bit of concern about that last week with the Auburn team having seen Will McIntyre two times last year it wasn't nine strikeouts at the College World Series but it was still a big time performance I thought for him against Auburn right and you know it does matter though when you get a guy you know they've got so much video footage of of him in their past outings against their team it's one thing it's one thing to see video of Will you know just pitching against some other team some Tuesday night game but when you actually have him pitching against your team you know, three times, you can go back and look at the video and say, this is how he attacked you. But the thing that makes Will so, so, so difficult is he could throw any pitch at any count. Hmm. You know, he can rely on that cutter. He could throw that cutter at any time. He can throw the slider. I mean, he's just, uh, you know, he can throw a fastball. I mean, he's, he's just, it's hard to game plan against Will McIntyre because you just, you really don't know. And he does such a good job of cutting that ball just enough to miss the barrel. And so, you know, you watch all the video in the world, but when you get up to the plate, you got to adjust to that. 
McIntyre, 16 and a third innings against Auburn during his career. Four runs, 11 hits, three walks, 19 strikeouts. Say all that's of that. Good. That's good. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a really good line against not just an SEC team, but a, a good SEC team. They were in the College World Series last year. And so I say all that to say, you know, Ben Bybee, I'm not saying he's going to be Will McIntyre uh, 2022 at the end of this season, but you know, he, he might he might fill that role that McIntyre filled where it's like, okay, here's a guy that you haven't had available to you on the weekend, and now he is available, and let's see what he can do for your bullpen. Uh, just another, you know, bullet for the bullpen potentially moving on. It's It's been, I, th- I think, pretty impressive what Ben Bybee has been able to do. Let's talk about LSU. They're 19 and two. They're two and one in the SEC. This is in the minds of a lot of people. One of the great baseball teams that's ever been assembled talent wise. I mean, you got Dylan Cruz is maybe going to be the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Paul Skeens is going to be right there behind him, a right-handed pitcher. They went out in the transfer portal. They pulled in Thatcher Hurd, a pitcher from UCLA, Christian Little, a pitcher from Vanderbilt, Tommy White, who was the national freshman of the year last year at North Carolina State. They already had Trey Morgan on the roster. And you go on and on. This is a really good LSU lineup. you got a lot of players who are probably going to play professional baseball. I don't know that LSU has challenged itself during the non-conference quite like Arkansas did. You know, every team usually has that one big series during the non-conference. Some teams have more than one, but everybody at least has to have, you know, one series where you're going to go out and you're going to play some quality non-conference teams from big conferences. Arkansas did it playing in Arlington against TCU and Texas and Oklahoma State. LSU went to the Round Rock Classic, and I don't know that they saw as good of a competition down there. They played Kansas State. They got beat by Iowa. That was their only loss before they lost to Texas A&M last weekend, and they beat Sam Houston State. All of that is to say, Bubba, this is the number one ranked team in the country. You're going into Alex Box Stadium, which is – one of the, if not the hardest place to play in the country. Uh, this is a big time proving weekend, I think, not just for Arkansas, but for LSU too. I think Arkansas maybe has flown under the radar a little bit uh, because there has been so much emphasis on LSU. They're in the same division that maybe this 19-2 and start by Arkansas, which is the same record that LSU has, uh, maybe it hasn't been noticed as much and, and maybe there's some hunger there from the Razorbacks to prove, hey, we're as good as those guys that have been getting all the headlines. Right. The key, the, the key thing to remember, Matt, is a bunch of good players don't necessarily make a good team, especially in baseball. You can look at other sports and you throw a bunch of good football players out there. They, they can dominate. But in baseball, just because you got a, good, a bunch of good players, that doesn't make them a good team. It's such mm-hmm. a team oriented sport and, and, and you feed off of your teammate uh, up and down the lineup, your pitching staff. It feeds off of each other. Now, now, you, right now, they're playing great. 19 and two, you look at some of their numbers and they just fly off the chart at you um, or fly off the page. But I mean, I I don't know. I I guess we're going to learn a lot about our team this weekend. But if you're guys like Jared Wagner, uh, Tavian Josenberger, Parker Roll, and all those guys, they come to Arkansas to play games like this weekend. That's why you come here is you want to go to Alex Box Stadium and beat down on LSU. Um, that's why you come here and play in the SEC is for weekends like this. So I don't think we're going to go in there nervous, wide-eyed at all. I think we're going to go in there with kind of like you described, a little chip on our shoulder and say, hey, we're we're the freaking Arkansas Razorbacks. We're pretty good too. Um, we're coming to town and we're going to take this series from you. Well, in Arkansas, you know, both of these teams are built around transfers. 
and you mentioned Wagner and Josenberger, and there there have been others on this team this year. Uh, you know, I, I think that the play that Arkansas has gotten out of their transfers has been comparable to the play that LSU's gotten out of its, wouldn't you say? Maybe other than Skeens, and we're going to talk about him in just a minute. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, the guys that they brought in have done a great job. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, I don't know that they've they've played the, their their schedules okay. They haven't played the schedule that the Razorbacks have played, but you know we'll we'll see. They 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 probably technically should have t- swept A and M this weekend, but mm-hmm. you know their starters weren't off the chart. I mean, if you look at their Saturday guy, three innings, four hits, uh, Ty Floyd. Uh, five runs, uh, went three and a third, four hits, five runs, uh, Thatcher hurt three and a third, four hits, two runs. Um, you know, not, you know, not anything that's going to, that's going to scare you. Um, now Skeens at the top. Yeah. He's the real deal. I mean, <laughs> and we can talk about his numbers in a second, but they're, uh, they're pretty impressive. Well, here they are. Paul Skeens, uh, he's got a zero five nine ERA. He has thrown 30 and a third innings this year. He has 59 strikeouts, two walks, two earned runs that he's given up. Teams are batting 115 against him. Uh, he's been incredible. Uh, Jim Schlossenagel, the Texas A&M coach, uh, was talking about him last week after you know A&M had played LSU. He said he's pitching in the wrong league. He ought to be pitching in the American League or the National League right now. And he, you know, I think he basically compared him. He said maybe something along the lines of the only two pitchers that I have seen that are comparable to him in the college game are Steven Strasburg and Mark Pryor. That's incredible uh, praise, I would think, from a, a college coach who's been so successful like Schlossnagel has been. Uh, Arkansas tried to get Paul Skeens in recruiting, and I think they came very close to landing him. Uh, he went to Arkansas first on a visit, then he went to LSU second on a visit, and he ended up uh, you know, signing with the Tigers. Uh, he's He's been incredible. I, I can't remember a pitcher that has had – uh, this type of start to a season, especially one uh, that's come in from a transfer. Yeah, well, when you look at the numbers, they're they're incredible. Fifty nine punch outs, uh, four base on balls. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's that's impressive. Everything everything about him, you know, says this guy's the real deal. But I'm going to say it: he has not faced a Razorback lineup. This is a tough <laughs> lineup from top to bottom. And and look, they grind out at bats. They, now, now he may go and he may dominate us. I I'd be really surprised though the the, the makeup of our lineup. I mean, if he beats us, he's going to have to earn it because we're not going to give away at bats. We're going to go up there and battle this guy. And uh, man, I like our chances against him. I think so. Those, those numbers going to look a little different after Friday night, Matt. He has not. I will say this about Paul Skeens: he has not pitched in a a, a game that's as important. I think. That's the one that he's going to pitch in Friday night. He, he transferred to LSU from Air Force. You know, didn't I mean I? You know, and that's not to take anything away from Air Force. They they won their conference last year. He got into the NCAA tournament. You know, but just in terms of there being probably twelve, thirteen thousand people in the stands, it being a one versus three matchup. Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. Same thing yeah, goes for will. Hunter Holland, uh, who's who's not pitching that type of environment either. You're right, and but I think Hunter Hunter is kind of that guy that I don't think that the 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 spotlight's going to phase him one bit. Now I don't know, I don't know the LSU guy. I don't know anything about him other than he's really good. I've seen some video on him. He's a real deal. Um, but I just like the fact that the way our lineup will battle you from top to bottom, and and we're not going to give up. We're just we're not going to give away at bats. We're going to make this guy earn everything he gets, and you know if he beats us, he beats us. But he's gonna he's gonna have to work to do it. 
the LSU lineup. We mentioned Tommy White, Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan. Gavin Dugas is one who has come in this year. Uh, was on the team last year, but uh, he's had a, a, a really good year for them. Uh, maybe a bat that they weren't expecting so much from. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is the real deal kind of lineup with LSU. And, and we saw them scuffle a little bit in Fayetteville uh, last season. Now you got Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan, who are a year older. Uh, this will be a really big challenge, I think, for the Razorback pitchers. Uh, and, this, and that's what I think challenges you from the LSU standpoint. Is they just don't, you know, they're really good in, in all the phases. They're a good fielding team. They're a good hitting team. They're a good pitching team. And uh, Arkansas certainly has not seen a team anywhere near that caliber, I think, this year. No, they haven't, not even close. And, you know, we talked about Auburn, how their defense just kind of fell apart. That's not going to happen with LSU. They're not going to give you runs. You're going to have to earn, you're going to have to earn them. Um, the thing that the Razorbacks have done a great job of all year, Matt, is when a team boots a ball, makes a mistake, we take advantage of it almost every time we make them pay for giving us that extra out. LSU is not going to do that. They're going to go out and they're going to make the plays on defense. Uh, pitchers don't walk a lot of guys. They're around the plate. And and so it's going to be, man, it's going to be a fun series. I wish I was going to be there, um, but it's going to be a fun one. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to it. Let me ask you about this. You know, I'm not gonna say Arkansas has been the top dog in the SEC West for the last five years because Mississippi state and Ole Miss have won national championships and you know, Auburn's been good. A&M's had some good years, but What's interesting to me is that Arkansas has been the more relevant team nationally than LSU has. I wonder if if there's anything, you know, from a psychological standpoint that goes into that to, you know, Arkansas maybe having that edge because they've been able to beat LSU lately or LSU maybe trying to, you know, this obviously being the year where they feel like they can climb back up to the top of the SEC West. Do, do you think there's anything like that this weekend? There might be. I mean, the LSU hadn't done well against us the last several years, and so, you know, the the I guess the I guess the difference is Matt is there's there's a few guys left over, but there's so many new faces there that they don't know the rivalry. You know, to them this is all new. Now they can read the stories and and hear the stories, but but there's so many new guys on LSU's team that you know I don't know if that I don't know if they if they take that into consideration or not. But I know everywhere Razorbacks go, there's a target on our back because of our reputation. I mean, DVH has built a program that's you know that's that's you know it's Omaha or bust, and you know there's a bullseye on us everywhere we go. That just the way we play the game, I think people admire around the country you know no matter where we're at um and i think uh i think that that causes teams to to rise up a little bit when they play us and it'll be interesting to see what happens when we go in lsu but you know i think with all these new faces they have i, I don't know that they're going to really view it um in that way or not but but who knows you know i'm sure you know dylan cruz those guys uh trey morgan they they know what razorback baseball is all about and if the other guys don't they will know at the end of this weekend uh, it's interesting to me you know because lsu has just dominated this series that Arkansas has not lost a series to LSU since 2018. They won in 19, didn't get to play in 20, won in 21 and won in 22. Uh, the, the, this, the worm has turned a little bit, I think in this series, at least to the point that you go into an LSU series now thinking that you can win or maybe even should win versus you hope to win. Well, I, th I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> and, and that's, I, this Razorback team goes out there every week in and week out, and they expect to win. 
and yeah. there's a there's a lot to that and and once again i'll say it you can you can clump a bunch of talented players together but it doesn't make you a good team look i you know i spent years in the yankee organization and they we would stack our triple a team every year didn't mean we always won we had a lot of selfish players that were me 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 some of our best teams were the teams that just had your your grinder type players that just go mm. out and grind out at bats and play good defense and are dirt bags those are the teams that won when we threw all those superstars together we, we didn't win mm -hmm. and that's that's what's the beautiful thing about baseball is and we'll we'll you know now we'll see what LSU does they may come together and 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 bond as a team and and play as a team but you know we'll we'll just have to wait and see it's still early in the season Mentioned Arkansas won 14 straight. LSU had a 13-game winning streak come to an end at College Station last week. The long winning streaks, do they begin to weigh on a team? No, I don't think so at all. Okay. I think, I think, I think, I think winning streaks are good. Um, teams should expect to win when they go on the field. I, I think winning is a habit. I think good teams go out on the field and they find a way to win. Bad teams go on the field and find a way to lose. And so I think I think winning is a great thing. I think streaks are a great thing. I don't think you approach it as, oh, gosh, we won 17 in a <laughs> row. You know, we, 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 there's pressure to win 18. I don't think they look at it that way. I think they go out and they just, hey, we expect to win. They're going to go into LSU Friday night and they're going to expect to win. And that's what, that's what we want. And that's Razorback baseball. There's so many good ballparks in the SEC West, but it's good and, and as hard as it is to win at, at Baum or Duty Noble or at Swayze at Old Miss, Olsen at A&M, I think Alex Box is, is the toughest environment because I think their fans get the loudest and, and they get the most into the games. Uh, I wonder, Bubba, what was the, the toughest, because you didn't play in the SEC, what, what was the toughest ballpark you ever played in college-wise? I tell you what, Texas A&M was always tough because they would always pack that place in. It was always a huge rivalry. Um, you know, back then it was us, A&M, Texas. We were always the top of the heap. But typically it was us and A&M playing for the conference championships. So we mm -hmm. would get off the bus and they would line the sidewalk when we would get off the bus for BP. And they knew everything about me. And, and they let me know <laughs> it the whole game and, and, and several other guys too. And But you got to love that. I mean, you got to feed off that. As a player, it's awesome. Now, you know – you can say, oh, it sucks. You know, you got these people ragging you about everything you do, but man, feed off of it. Use that as energy. And I think that's what our players are going to do going in this weekend. Now, I'll tell you a tough place to play was Philadelphia back in the day when we went into Philly uh, when I was with the Rockies. Oh, my goodness. You've got this is the old veteran stadium, right? Yeah. And it was, uh, uh, there's no welcoming the visiting team there. I mean, it was from the time you walk in, you're just getting abused just <laughs> completely. But, but like, once again, I think, I think you feed off of that. And I think our guys are going to love it. Like I said, you look at these guys that have transferred in here this year for us. I think they're going to go in there. Um, you know, you think Jared Wagner cares what some some idiot in the stand says to him? He doesn't care. He's going to go up there and look for a pitch to drive. When he gets it, he's going to drive it. You know, he's going to go out in left field and make a play. If he's got 500 buffoons out there yelling at him, it ain't going to bother him. You know, he's giving. He's. I, it's. Uh, it's one of those things that's fun. I think you got to turn. If you let it bother you, then you're you're in the wrong sport. I mean, baseball is a mental game. Feed off of it. Use it as energy, and go out and flip the switch and and uh, turn that around on that other team.
two things I remember about Philadelphia. Number one is when J.D. Drew went back there with the Cardinals, they were throwing uh, size D batteries at him on the field <laughs> when he was out in the outfield. The other thing I remember, and I don't know if this existed for the Phillies games, but uh, you know the Eagles played there too, and they actually had a courtroom in the stadium and they had a judge in the stadium on game day to where they would just go ahead and get the, you know, go ahead and get the sentencing done there at the stadium uh, for some of the offenses that uh, would occur at the old veteran stadium. And I think LSU, I think Alex Box is like the SEC's equivalent of the old vet. You know what? You're probably right. Hey, there was a lot of riffraff going on there, but I tell you what, when I was when I got a chance to play there, I was happy as could be. You could call me anything, you could say anything <laughs> to me, you could rag me about anything. I didn't care. I was playing in a major league ballpark, so they could they could talk all they want. I loved it. It'll be a great series, I think, between Arkansas and LSU. We're gonna learn a lot about the Razorbacks this weekend, how they handle uh, that environment, how they handle the opposition. Uh, they're going to play three times this weekend. Friday's game at 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Saturday's game will be at 1 o'clock on SEC Network. And a network change on Sunday. They're going to still play at noon, uh, but that game's now going to be on ESPN. So they're going to get the, uh, the the full big game treatment this weekend in Baton Rouge. Hope you come to wholehogsports.com throughout the weekend to read our coverage. And uh, we'll be back with another Whole Hog Baseball podcast next week to recap the game against LSU. They're also going to play a midweek game against Omaha next Tuesday. For Bubba Carpenter, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend, everyone. The proceeding has been a production of WholeHogSports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at WholeHogSports.com for the latest news and commentary.